Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Um, so we're just going to pray before I get started, okay? Um, yeah, Jesus, uh, we just welcome you here. You, you, we've already been singing to you and welcomed you, but again, we just welcome you and say you are the most important in the room here and we value and honour your presence here. We value and honour you in our life that you speak to us, you do life with us, that you care over the details of our life, the big and the small, everything in between. It's all in your heart. You carry our lives in your heart. You carry the things that matter to us, matter to you. God, I'm asking this morning that we be people who start to really make the things that matter to you, the things that matter to us. And um, I just pray for um, open hearts to receive what it is you want to communicate here this morning. And I also pray, God, just give over my mouth here, Jesus, just speak. You speak. You speak. Over to you, Jesus. Uh, I'm going to start by telling people a story. Um, and um, if you read this afternoon, Daniel, oh, look, I've got a little Bible, people. <laughs> it's an in joke, running joke. If you've been here long enough, you know, I have like usually big Bibles. This one fits in my pocket. Because <laughs> I pull it out, whip it out when I need it. Anyway. Um, in Daniel chapter 3 is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow their knee. They wouldn't worship other gods. They wouldn't worship Nebuchadnezzar. They wouldn't worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And what that meant was death. It was a death sentence. And so Nebuchadnezzar um, hears that there's these three men that won't worship the statue that he's created of himself and gets pretty mad and says, right, they are to be thrown into the fire and not just any fire. He was so mad. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, it was heated up seven times hotter than usual to the point where the men who were to push them into the fire died because <laughs> the heat rising was so bad. Um, when the three men entered into the fire, Nebuchadnezzar from the outside could look on t- into it and saw a fourth man in the fire. So that's a common story that many people are aware of in church life, right? You hear about the fourth man in the fire. Well, well Nebuchadnezzar's like, it looks like a son of God, right? It's in Daniel chapter 3. But I want to tell you a story of God brought me there one time, and this is what it felt like. And I'm explaining because the message this morning is that truth will set you free. Truth will set you free. When you stand in truth and you stand honorably and you stand your integrity and you do not accept lies and you do not live by lies and you don't tell lies and you don't believe lies and when they come your way, you say, "Uh uh-uh, not today. You get to be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You get the protection of the Lord. You get his provision. You get him being the one responsible for the consequences of your decision to live honorably in truth, in integrity, according to his word, right? And that's the point of this. And so I was reading through Daniel chapter 3, uh, it was probably two years ago this happened, and some of you know the story. I don't like to repeat necessarily, except this is a really good one, and, but some of you are hearing it for the first time. I was just sitting with the Lord reading through Daniel t- um, chapter 3 and just considering the three men, Daniel, the, Daniel's friends. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego. And, uh, and, uh, and within a split second, and I know some of you this has happened or you've heard other people this happens, like it's a biblical thing, so don't be like, what is she talking about? The Lord brought me into that place uh, in a split second and I was placed in the fire and around about, the th- I could see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I could see the fourth man, I was a fifth person standing there and the atmosphere was not hot It wasn't burning. It wasn't smelling like smoke and fire. It was a bit wet. Like if you ever walk out on a foggy morning and it's a bit wet on your face. And and it was windy. It was like there was like a wind whirling around about us to the point where my hair was like hitting my face and my hair felt a little bit wet. And it was a really odd kind of situation to be in if you can understand. But the provision of a lot of protection over them was such that even in a fire, there was a wet cooling, very protected atmosphere. The Holy Spirit so protected them. It wasn't like just escaping with a bit of smoke on their robes because Daniel chapter 3 says there was not even the smell of smoke on their robes. 
And so when you can understand the protection of the Holy Spirit around about your life, that Psalm 91 it is, isn't it? Like sitting under the wing, sitting under his protection. When you, can, when you are someone who won't bow your knee and won't live by lies and will live by truth, no matter what the cost might be, short term, you will get the protection of the Holy Spirit in your life, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did that day. And so when I stood there with the Lord, I, it was probably a good five minutes that I just got to stand there going, I, I, I was a bit stunned and if, it's like a great privilege on the one hand, right, to be given a, an experience like that in the Holy Spirit, right? But also just going, oh my gosh, the thing, the thing that just stuck out to me is that the atmosphere was wet and cool. It wasn't hot. It wasn't the seven times hotter, which I could see. And so what I could hear is the burning, crackling roar of the fire around about me. Um, and so it was raging, raging fire. I could hear the outside circumstances, which were the natural reality, the true reality was these three men stood in the middle of a fire. I could see that going on around about, but the reality was the Holy Spirit had them so incredibly protected that there was not even a hint or a, 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 a split second of, oh my gosh, if he doesn't help us, we're, we're done, we're gone. There wasn't a hint of that because the protection of the Holy Spirit in that moment was so strong on their lives. And, and, and this is what I'm talking about today is that know the truth and this truth will set you free. If you want to jo- open up your Bibles, open up to John um, chapter 8. I'm reading from the NIV. Verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, right? Verse 32 then says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's a very commonly known verse. It's quoted, it's sung, talked about, prayed about. We we know this verse, right? Understand this though. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. We can read to the Christians who believed him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. I don't think people connect that too much, the, the verse 31 to verse 32, because it is, the, it is the if. He's fine. He is so fine. Hello? Hello? How are you? His name is Theo, which is actually um, Greek for God. <laughs> well, yeah. Brother as well. Um, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a very high cost to living in truth, in the way of truth. And people don't, um, there's a very high cost to being a disciple. And Jesus talked about the cost of discipleship and the cost of living truthfully before the Lord. For Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, it was a threatening of loss of life. (laughs) Like the soldiers that pushed him into the furnace lost their life. Split second, oh my gosh. Uh, life whisked away, the heat was so bad, <laughs> oxygen's gone out of their lungs, desiccated, dry, dead life, right? And so, so, but the protection of the Lord is what we really lean into with this. So then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Know is to know by experience. It's not just head knowledge, it's not just intellectual knowledge. And uh, you know, people that know me, I've got 4,000 books in my house. I'm a nerd. I love to read. I'm curious. I want to learn anything that I can learn about. I'm on it, right? So it's not, that, it's not that we don't learn. It's not that we don't grow. We just don't make that the thing we trust in and make the foundation of our life. It is Jesus Christ who is the foundation of our life. And he himself is truth. John chapter um, 14 verse 6 says I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me Jesus himself is truth the essence of him is truth in God there's no lie he does not lie there is no mistruth there is no falseness right and so when Jesus turned up on the earth suddenly Pilate at the moment of just before he was crucified even, in the, in, when, when he faced Pilate, Pilate's questioning him because the religious leaders were like, you've got to deal with this man because we're not really technically allowed to murder him, but you are, you're a Roman and you don't even love God, you can kill him. And Pilate went, uh-uh, no, <laughs> I wash my hands of this messiness. But, but, but Pilate looked at him and said, what is truth? 
And truth was in front of Pilate when he was saying that because it was Jesus standing in front of him at the moment that he said, what is truth anyway? It's Jesus Christ is truth himself, the embodiment of everything that is true, right, just, upright, wholeness, genuine, authentic. It is Jesus Christ. And so know the truth. It's know Jesus Christ. Know him. But it's also come into alignment with what is true. And so we have this, we have our Bible. Hold up one. If you have one with you, hold it up. So this is our ultimate source of truth that we have in written form, right? This is Logos written, recorded word. We also have Logos word that this the speaking word and also the rhema, which is the prophetic now word, right? The revelation that we live by. It's, it's, it's both, right? But this thing here, is ultimate truth. And, and God's spoken word, the rhema, prophetic words, which we love and we always want them, will never, ever, ever contradict what God's word says. This is ultimate truth. This does not change, will not change. Not one little dot, not one little T, not one little jot will be lost until this will, this will remain until the end of time and the new heavens and the new earth come, right? This will not change. This is truth. Do we live by truth and we're set free? We live by truth unwavering, uncompromising in everything that we're doing and we allow this to come in and change us on the inside. The more we sit in scripture, the more of the nature of God becomes ours. Literally, we become changed and become more like Jesus, which is God's will for our life. The more we just read it and sit in it and chew on it. Sometimes it might be you sit in a scripture for a week and you just can't get past it. Other weeks might go by and you've just ingested like whole books. But it's this hunger for the word of God, which is truth itself, that is what changes us. The relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit through intimacy with God depends upon our ability to come and bring our life and set it before him again and again and again, which means to align with truth. If we are unwilling to go into that place of intimacy with him and relationship with him, it's often because we've, we've believed lies or we've, we've, we've compromised on some of what the Bible might say and we're okay with it because the world often says be okay with it. In 1 John 4, 8, famously, people know the Bible verse, the end part of that Bible verse says, God is love. He is. God is love. I've just said the other scripture, which is Jesus said, I am the truth. And he is equally truth and he, as, he, as much as equally love. And it's not like 50% of each, right? It's 100% of one and 100% of the other. And they mix and blend perfectly. Because he's a perfect God and he's a good God and he always does good in our life, right? And so here is what has happened in America and Australia, but in America, I'm in America. I'm saying that more like an American these days too, America. So um, I'm from Australia, in case you're new here, you're like, where is she from? <laughs> from Australia. Um, but I've been here 20, all my, well, in a few months it'll be 22 years, um, so, but, but, you know, in the, in the 70s and the 80s, well, earlier than that, but they dropped prayer out, prayer out of schools. And in the 70s and the 80s, there was just this great push through the churches to not be political. There's this great push to the churches to separate, because don't you know, there's a separation of church and state. And so don't say anything that could get you in trouble, because you might lose your 501c3. And you want to keep that tax exemption status. So don't, don't say anything that could offend. But the problem is that truth offends. Truth offends, and, and, and it's not always nice because at the other, we also know because truth is a sword, right? In Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive, is active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it cuts deeper, and it separates bone and marrow. Thought and intent of the heart is cut away by the truth when we just come again and again and again, and we sit in this, and we allow this to be the thing that directs and changes and challenges and, and confronts the things in us that are not like Christ, right? It's not like, it's not like, now, I'll just say this, it's not that we do it in a condemning way, because condemnation is not from the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit brings great power to change and become more like Christ in the first place, right? The condemnation is because we have believed lies, or someone else has believed lies has said them over us. Accusations, shamefulness, that stuff is from the enemy, right? 
That's the political spirit. That's the religious spirit. They're the things that come, have come and slid into the church and the church has tolerated them because the church hasn't talked about abortion and the church hasn't talked about how stupid COVID is. I'll tell you a little bit of a story. So some of you know this, a lot of you don't know this. So if I look around, the, I was in Australia when the bushfires were happening. Right? Do you, remember, do you remember when Australia was on fire and the whole world was, oh my gosh, they're going to lose that country. And um, they literally people thought that we were going to. And um, my parents live in a little beach town that is fully surrounded on all sides except the ocean side by, um, uh, what's it, National Park. Yeah, what do we call it in Australia? I forgot. <laughs> Lost in translation. National Park. So just bushland, like for as far as the eye can see, both every direction, right? There's a little town and it's a gorgeous beach town, right? And, um, but it's really little. And, and it's one, just one of many that are dotted up and down the south coast, south of Sydney. And so my house, our house, the fires, the firemen are fantastic actually. They can track where the fire is coming, where it's going. And it had come close to our little town and gone away again and come close and gone away again. And, um, and uh, our town had been pretty, pretty protected, which is kind of funny. Um, but, but then it's the, the fires again, because it, it this went on for three weeks, by the way. The fires again lit up near our area and, and they, they just went door knocking, evacuating, evacuating the three towns right next to ours and gave us the option to stay because we could escape to the oceanfront beach that was right there. My parents live on the beach. And so we had escape. So the morning of the fire was supposed to come through in the evening and they measure it by the winds so they can say, right, be ready, get your house ready, do this. But the morning of, I got to go get water and supplies that we might need, food, because if, if we lo- no power, no water, no food, I've got a type 1 diabetic daughter, I need to make sure I've got everything for her. That's really, because she can die, right? So I'm off in the store what do I need? Water, checklist. I get into the store with one of my sons, it was Jai, and um, I go with my big trolley. The first thing I was going to load up is lots of water because we were going to stick it in a canoe in front of the house, <laughs> literally, because this is what other towns had been doing. So we just watched and they were like, they've just got their stuff ready. They just put it in their boats and they get out into the water. So that was our plan. We were just going to fill the canoe with water and, and supplies. And so I'm standing in front of the water and the Holy Spirit goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, you know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> always, he knows that. And, and anyway, uh, I'm not sarcastic with him, but that's just funny, right? And uh, <laughs> well, you actually, you do have in-jokes, right? Like your best friend. You have in-jokes with your best friend. So you can talk like that with him, just, you know, honorably still. So <laughs> you know what I'm doing. No. <laughs> Sanctified irony. <laughs> It's not sarcasm, sanctified irony. Um, bring it back. So I'm standing in front of the water and, and he goes, you don't need any of this. You don't need to buy a single thing. The fire is not going to touch your town. Go home. So with Jai, I don't know if he remembers, we turn around and I just put the trolley back and walk out back home and I get home to my dad who's not saved and he's like, did you get your stuff? I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, and so I, was like, I got it from the Holy Spirit, so I wasn't lying. <laughs> so, so, so I just like packed up a few things to make him comfortable, right? Airport stuff that I might need, passport stuff. Make my, husband, my dad feel like I've done the right thing by him. Anyway, the evening comes around and he's got the house ready and he's got hoses down the front yard and hoses up the backyard and hoses pointed at the back house and the back back buildings at the back. He's got two buildings at the back. Then we've just got hoses out. And the wind, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a firestorm, in a, in a, it's pretty bad. And the wind, the wind just picked up and it's going sideways and so is lawn furniture, okay? So, so it's bad and there's big, big bits of tree that are on fire <laughs> flying sideways. I'm standing there with a hose going, Holy Spirit, you tell me to be, not, I don't need anything. <laughs> so, so, a good 10 minutes go by and I'm just watching bits of tree branch go by and it was because and, and, it gets really dark in, in a firestorm too so it got like pitch black dark and then and then all of a sudden the wind just died down the clouds went away 
and the stars came out. It's like Milky Way where they live, right under the Milky Way. And it was like the brightest, most still, most calm night. And the ocean was just like glassy. You could see all the stars and the moons reflecting off it. And, and, and we all went in and had dinner. And the next day, it started raining and there were no more fires in Australia. Isn't that funny? I, I mean, great. It's, I mean, funny as in, oh my gosh, God did that. <laughs> like sometimes you go, the surreal things that he does. He really does these massive uh, miracle things. So then um, two weeks later, I land back in America and people are like, oh, have you seen China? <laughs> Wuhan (laughs) and I'm like God what's going on in Wuhan (laughs) so so I did what everyone else did I'm looking at videos going there's people dropping dead in the street like literally which they now have debunked and said it was all propaganda Um, they're welding people into their houses and taking people off you know against their will and we're watching that and the conversation starts trickling into America then America gets closed and then America goes on 14 days to lock it down at the same time, we lost our building because the people who we were renting from went, oh, we're closing everything, you can't use the building. So we're like, oh, <laughs> church without a building at the same time that they locked us down. But the Holy Spirit said to me, he said to me, your church will be fine. A lot of you know this, your church will be fine, right? You'll be protected, you'll be absolutely fine. What people don't know is... Um, Within that first week, we didn't have a church, so we didn't meet that first Sunday that rolled around. And um, But police turned up at my neighbour's house across the street. And um, there was about quite a few cars and quite a bit of buzz. And um, it was our neighbours um, who are now both actually have gone to be in heaven. Well, one of them. And um, But the police turned up to the house. And I... <laughs> I was watching it all happen and the police is just a big, you know, it's like 14 days. This is during the 14 days to flatten the curve and the Holy Spirit goes, you need to go out and help them. They're all too afraid to go in the house and you'll be fine. So I walked out and um, I went, I was like, hi, hi, can I help you? (laughs) It's like, can I do your job for you? (laughs) I didn't want to say that, but... um, so, so I walked out, I introduced myself and just said, hey, I'm, I'm a neighbour, I know them, can I, can I help you, should I, dogs barking at the door and everything. So they're like, yeah, yeah, there's, we think there's three people inside, we think, we think someone's dead. <laughs> I should not laugh, it's not, a, it's not a laughing matter, there was nobody dead, okay, just putting that out there. I'm laughing at the level of fear, okay, it's peak insanity, the fear that just gets whipped up, right, Okay, so I walked into the house to the dog who I know and to the two, the the husband and wife that live there and their stay-at-home nurse and they're like, we don't know why but someone's called the police on us. They said someone has told on us that we've committed suicide. One of us did an overdose, which they hadn't. They're all sitting watching TV and the police turn up at the house. And so what I walked, we sorted it out. And I just kind of made, once the, I just helped, helped the police be like, it's fine, it's fine, there's nothing, no problem. The nurse came out and started talking to them. Um, and I just left. And as I'm walking back up to my house, just God, God just goes, you've just got to bust through the fear. There's so much fear here. People are operating on a level of fear and it is breaking people. And it's all lies. It's all lies. And I'm not trying to minimise I do know there is a virus. I have had COVID. We know people that have um, lost their life to it. A couple. Not out of this church, though. No one out of this church. Thank God for that. Don't take that for granted. Like, really thank God for that, right? Um, So I'm not saying there's not a virus, but I am saying we should not be walking around in fear. We should not be walking around letting it control us. Every single little decision some people make every day right now is based on the fear of this virus, is based upon the controls that this virus has brought into our culture. And I don't want to be political in the pulpit on the one hand, except that this is lies. And we've got to speak truth to lies. We've got to be people who are willing to stand in the gap and stand for what is right, break fear off people, break lies off people because when, when people have believed lies, they allow the fear to come in, then they're easily manipulated and they're easily controlled and that's the whole purpose behind this, right? The virus is just a tool of the enemy. 
to control and to manipulate and to push people around and to get them to conform to the pattern of the world. And right now the pattern of the world is going in a very fast slope right down away from the purposes of God. So Pilate is saying, what is truth? What is truth? The Bible verse that I started with is, um, well, for verse 32, John 38, chapter 8, verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from fear, freedom from the lies that bind, freedom from the persuasion, the demonic persuasion that just gets on people and causes them to have broken identity and not understand who they are in Christ, causes them to operate at a a level far lower than Jesus ever wanted us to operate, right? Breaking off the things that the enemy has just sat in you since you were a child. Maybe it's just bad memories, maybe bad experiences have just caused you to go, I'm not really good enough. Break off the lies, anything that the enemy has ever said to you about your identity, about being a child of God, loved, beloved, with incredible purpose. But also, break off the lies that would help you understand who the church is meant to be. See, the church is meant to be the one changing the world. The church is the one meant to be having the influence in every aspect of life, every single aspect of life. And because of the political correctness which has been pushed along into the church by the political spirits and the religious spirits. The church has been silent on things and been completely complicit with the government. And the government is lying. People want to use John, uh, Romans chapter 13 as a, oh, we're supposed to submit and love the government. Yes, love, pray for them. But when the government are not submitted to God, you don't submit your life under something that is in rebellion to God. Right, So be careful because you can find yourself complicit then with evil. I was in a church and um, uh, I was a pastor over there for a while and there was another pastor. We were serving together but our bosses called this other pastor, who was also a woman, and said, can you call some volunteer because she's put something on Facebook that is anti-abortion. And we don't like that. We want her to take it down because she represents our church as a volunteer leader. And so this other pastor's coming to me going, they're asking me to take, ask this other person who's not even a staff member to take down something on abortion. When literally abortion is murder. So are we afraid to offend people because we say don't murder babies? We're afraid of condemnation or afraid of making people feel bad? Because murder has taken place? Or are we going to be the kind of people that say, we know this has happened in your past, we're still going to speak about it to make sure no one else does it and help you get back on your feet understanding the grace and the forgiveness for you at the same time, right? So this applies to COVID. This applies to the COVID lies. All of them. It's the same thing. I'm going to ask you this. If you were going down past a house that was on fire, flames coming off the top of a house, but you knew there were people inside the house. Would you keep walking? Would you like, ah, someone else will help them. Ah, graduated to heaven quicker. No, you'd run in and do everything. Wake them up if they're sleeping. Get them out if there's children. Like carry them out, right? It's the same thing with the COVID lies. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. It is a bioweapon, and I will keep telling people it is a bioweapon. The Holy Spirit told me in 2013 that a vaccine war was coming. We're now in that war. Can you not see we are in a war? When people are being told you can't buy groceries, you can't get a job, you can't go to concerts unless you show me your papers. Like how, how is it that we've been so removed from what happened in World War II when the German Nazis were like going around, show me your papers, and people had to bust out their papers. Why have we so disconnected this? Because of fear. Because of the political spirit and the religious spirit. Fear has stopped the church speaking out and people have died because the church was complicit with lies. The separation of church and state was never about stopping the church from speaking truth. The separation of church and state was only to get the the, the state out of the church's affairs 
so that the church would be free to speak the truth of the word of God unhindered. That is what that was about. I will worship God in the way that God allows me to worship him and no one is going to tell me anything else. No government, no policeman, no gun pointed in my face. I'm going to worship God. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that might get you killed. Too bad. I know who God is. So, in Matthew 16, verse 5, in the NIV, again, it says this. And this is right after, this is right after a really massive miracle of um, um, feeding provision. And they're heading out across the lake, and then uh, Jesus in the boat with them just says this, seems, seems to be out of the blue, but it's actually not out of the blue. Uh, he says this, 15, sorry, 16 verse 5. 16 verse 6. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then again in Mark, it's, report, it's recorded in chapter 8 verse 15. It says, be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of the Herod. The Herods were a family of people, puppet, politician leaders, by the way. In Luke 12, verse 1, it says, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So the Pharisees are the religious leaders. And the Sadducees or the Herods are the political leaders. It is the spirit, same spirit today that is getting Christians, like choking their voice and silencing their voice. Jezebel also is involved. So in, in, um, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, where it talks about, uh, 3 and 4, where it talks about the churches, Jesus said to one of the churches, I have this against you. You have kept, you've allowed Jezebel to keep um, operating. You've tolerated Jezebel. Well, the church today has tolerated the religious spirit and the political spirit and Jezebel in the church, and she silenced truth. And so truth is not being told, and people are bound up by fear and everything that comes along with fear and any kind of lie with that. People are bound up. And then people, Christians, think it's okay to get an abortion because the church has been politically bullied into that corner of political correctness, silence my voice, silence the truth of the word of God and it hasn't gone out and it hasn't been doing what we were called to do. The mandate on the church is to be salt and light and we lost our salt and we lost our light because we allowed, those, we allowed the light to grow dim and we stopped being salty because salty is the thing that makes a change. It's a preservative but, and it's a change, uh, 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 ch- changes the flavour, couldn't get that word out, flavour. Salt and light. And the church has stopped being salt and has stopped being light because it, it, it has forgotten what truth is. It has, allowed, it has allowed the lies of the world, very toxic lies of the world, like through the, through the university system, especially with the Marxism and the white supremacy and the, every kind of gender issue that's going on right now, safe spaces in colleges and safe spaces in high... Why does a child need a safe space? They don't need a safe space in the school. They need a safe space in their home. We need to have strong families. You have a safe space in your home. They don't need it in school. But if you tell them they need it in school, you are training them to be weak. You are training them to lean into their feelings. You are training them into, oh, what triggers me? is more important than me living by truth. So I'll be triggered and f- find my safe space with a teddy bear. Instead of going, instead of going, I'm going to live by truth. I won't let my feelings dictate to me. I won't get offended by something else someone else does. I'm going to be a responsible human being. I'm going to grow up into maturity in Christ Jesus. But just being a responsible human being means growing up in a Christ, right? Responsibility. Here is with that. There's a great difference between... My rights, I'm an American citizen now, right? So I love the Constitution. I'm grateful. <laughs> right, right. But, but there's a big, big difference of me leaning into my rights. I'm going to stamp my foot every single time someone is um, impinging on my rights. I don't actually think that that's a very good thing to do. I think it's much, much better to live very responsibly with the Lord before the Lord, understanding the freedom that he has given us, which is a thousand times better, even more than that, than any constitution. And so I stand in my identity in Christ, in my freedom in Christ, and the liberty that he has given me, which is the freedom even from any kind of bad consequence that someone might bring into my life because they are impinging on a right that the constitution gives me. It's not that the constitution doesn't matter. 
I am very grateful. This is a great, great nation. I live here and I love it and I am grateful I'm in America because if I was in Australia right now, I wouldn't be able to go shopping because I'm not vaccinated. They, have a, they had it in different regions. Can't leave your house. Can't shop, can't buy a coffee, can't take your kid to school. Kid can't go to school if they're not. It's like the... Oh. I actually, it's, um, it's all lies. It's all lies. This is a bioweapon. The virus itself is man-made. The vaccine is a bioweapon. And it is all out of fear and control. Right now, for every COVID death in hospital, for every one unvaccinated COVID death in hospital, nine people are dying who are vaccinated from COVID. And that is not making it out into the media. Because the media are like the Baal prophets. You can read, you can read about the book of Jeremiah. Uh, let's get the right one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can read about the Baal prophets. Jezebel had 450 Baal prophets. The media is that version today. And we have to switch it off. You ha not NPR, it doesn't matter. Government run, that's the point, right? <laughs> So, so it is the truth of the word of God that sets us free. Only the truth of the word of God that sets us free. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it says this. The spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's Marxism, socialism. Their ideologies straight out of the pit of hell taught in our universities and so you have young university students 20s 20 something people 30 something people running around with this socialist message or hate hating on america because we're white supremacists i'm like if everybody's a racist then no one really is anymore right hasn't it just watered it down so much because now we've used the word too much as a wrong accusation so can we be people who just go what you can you can call me whatever you like, but I'm still going to keep preaching the truth, <laughs> right? Because truth matters more than the mud that gets slung back on you <laughs> because you've spoken the truth, right? Truth matters. The lies in society, in our culture, will come down the more we speak truth. Here's the thing: cult, culture, cult. A cult just means like a religious following. So culture. I'll, I'll go. Actually, I'll go here. Um, the Bible verse, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And here's what, here's what I, I just love this because Jesus, I just think, is really funny. <laughs> so, he is, the word, I'm going to make sure I spell, say it right because I can't pronounce this one as easily. Where is it? Can't find it. Oh, Eleuthero. The word right there is, actually it's got an S on the end. Eleutherus. It means free in Greek, right? But that Greek word, Whenever it was used in the context, even in the biblical context, it meant to be free from the politics of the day. <laughs> and, and so it's, I, love, I love poking around in the Greek, right? It literally meant to be free of the politics of the day. Our word politic comes from uh, 1500s, it was brought into English, but way before that it existed because they used to call, the Greeks had a city-state. And the city, the word for city in the Greek is polis, polis. We get politics from that Greek word, polis, politics, right? And, and polemon, which is the word that you get polis from, means to fight, to make war, to go against. And so the whole idea is the city-state would surround itself and if they could um, get control and get influence, then they could have increased power, increased wealth and then start controlling other smaller. They would just slowly absorb the smaller villages that surrounded them. So it become a city-state. That's where we get po the word politics from. Isn't that funny? And Jesus is literally stating here, what is it? Is it, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free from the politics. <laughs> so, which I think is really fantastic. I've been called too political. I've been called a whole lot worse. <laughs> so, I'm not political. I'm just trying to save lives. I'm not going to be the person who's going to run past a house with it on fire, knowing people are asleep inside. I'm going to run into the house and tell them to get out. If you had the cure for cancer, are you going to keep it to yourself if it was like a controversial, controversial cure or are you going to tell the world? You're going to tell the world the, the cure for the ails, the cure for the bondage, the cure for the fear and the lies is truth. 
And so we've got to keep speaking truth. We've got to keep saying whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is giving you, revelation included, by the way, but revelation from Holy Spirit, rhema or logos, revelation does not ever contradict written. Remembering that, it never contradicts it, but sure, it does add to it. And it does deepen our faith and it does deepen our words. See, the church for too long has been very um, impotent. I cry over this because it's not been, she's not been all she's called to be. We've not. You know, Jesus is coming back for a bride that is without spot, without wrinkle, without stain, who's been made perfect and holy and pure. And by the way, one Bible verse says matching in equal weight her husband, matching an equal weight. And we don't right now, do we? To match an equal mate, weight means to be filled with the same fullness. So the whole of the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus in bodily form, right? And we are made new creations so that the same fullness of God that dwelt in Jesus in bodily form could also fill us. And that same fullness, especially when we come together as a corporate body, that same fullness would be would be manifest on the earth again because now now God doesn't have just Jesus although he's God but not one person with with the, filled with the holy spirit now he's got thousands and thousands and thousands everywhere all over the earth and that's the point of the church increasing in revelation increasing in understanding who she is and coming into her identity only when she starts to really understand what truth is and stick to it and not allow the ideologies of the world to come in and water and compromise down things according to whatever's politically correct of the day, right? Uh, one, time, one time I had a, a vision of um, on this, we're supposed to match in equal weight. Jesus is coming back for his bride. But we are the body and he is the head. I, I one time saw the face of Jesus um, so incredibly beautifully large, but I saw this little anorexic, tiny, wasted body attached we were like this anemic spiritually in impotent church because we just haven't haven't allowed the lord to be lord of our life fully the way he wants to be lord in our church the way he wants to be and that means we've got to keep coming again and again and again and allowing this to be the thing that cuts away the lies in us and the wrong thinking and the conformity to the world is made very very clear where we've conformed me personally where i've conformed to the pattern of this world becomes very clear to me and god can make it very clear and the holy spirit illuminates stuff from scripture into my heart into my life I can repent of it and come into more alignment every day with Christ Jesus that's the purpose of the word of God and the purpose of why we we're invited into this incredible intimate relationship with him so that we would walk into greater 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 um, likeness of Jesus Christ in this world we're supposed to be like him but we're not if we're buffeted around pushed around by every little wind of doctrine, every little bit of teaching that has mixture in it from the world or that has, you know, um, yeah. Our spiritual authority is dependent. Oh, I'll say this. You know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we love them. We saw some demonstrated here, right? We want to use them every single day in our life, right? Pray in tongues, prophesy, words of knowledge. We want it all. But God gives those gifts without repentance. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts are given without repentance. He gives and he doesn't take back. It doesn't take authority and it doesn't take intimacy with him to operate those. It does take intimacy with him and our aligning with who he is in truth to really start to, to walk in an authority that the world needs to see. And the world has not yet seen many people walk in that kind of authority but God is calling his church right now I'll say his whole church globally to be a church that will understand what it is to be people who really understand their authority in Christ and 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 willingly go through the process of purification willingly go through the process of giving up wrong ways of thinking mindsets strongholds letting them letting Jesus pull them out right and then replacing them with his truth right and and the more we do that 
that's, that's when we're going to really start to see the spiritual authority rise. And then, and, then, and then when you combine that with the gifts of the Spirit, which are really needed, especially the gifts of healing and things like that, the world needs to see God is real. The world needs to see God still does miracles and moves mountains like that. And, and when that's combined with the people of God who are walking holy and pure and according to truth and aligned with everything that Christ is, is where we're going to see nations come to him. That's how we disciple nations. The mandate from heaven is disciple nations, right? It's not just wait for him till he comes back to get me and rescue me out of this current darkness. It's not. It is disciple nations, change nations, make the nations look like earth, sorry, heaven on earth, right? That's the, it's one of my prayers. Your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to make the earth here look, feel, taste like heaven right because the more the more I allow him to have his way in me which is coming into line with truth right the more I allow him to fill me and flood me with himself and change me and make me look more like Jesus and then the person next to me does that and the person next to them does that and we have a whole church full of people doing that literally this place tastes and feels and touches just like heaven right this is what he wants to do through the church through the school systems through medicine through science, through you can name, name any part, business, finance, God wants to renew and restore it all. But it really takes people who are going to allow God to have his way, which means we've got to be people who come to the truth and go, know the truth and the truth will set you free. To the Christians who believed in him, Jesus, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. The teaching, the teaching of the Lord. So it's not just the um, God is love, hyper grace, no, no boundaries on my life because everything's, you know, um, sloppy, sloppy agape, boundaryless life. No, it's the God is love. And because he is love and I know I'm loved, I can walk into wholeness and purity and truth and I can start to look like Jesus and I can leave behind my old life, right? God had boundaries. In, in the Old Testament, he put boundaries around his presence and people who were really sinning, in the desert, he, some of them just died, but others just couldn't get near the, the, the tent. They weren't allowed in. There were, Moses could go all the way in, and later after Moses, one priest <laughs> at, at certain times could go in. But otherwise, even getting near the, where the presence of God was was dangerous because God sets boundaries around the, his holiness because he knew it would kill, it, kill them back then. We don't die right now, thank God. But he still asks us to walk with purity and be holy because I'm holy, he says. Be holy because I'm holy. And we walk into this by allowing the word of God to come in and touch us and change us and purify us and break down all the things in us that are against love or against God or against his truth and allow him to tweak the things in us. Break down every lie. That's a prayer we should really willingly pray. Break down every lie that I have believed that has led me away from you or has caused me to have some kind of um, hindrance in my relationship with you. As Jesus earlier in the scripture said, I am the light of the world. And I, he will, the light exposes everything. So you walk willingly into his light, allowing him to expose every area in your life so that he can kick it out. And he will. He'll boot it out. He does it. We don't do it. We allow him to do it. As we yield, as we surrender, we allow him to have his way and he kicks the things out of us that he doesn't want in his timing. And he's really gentle, so he'll do it in a way that's very healing and brings life into us, right? So it's not something, it's not a process, the purifying process is not something to be afraid of. It's something to very much welcome into our life because he's the God. So his best ideal for you is that your life looks like Jesus, and so when you just go, we'll do it, he goes, great. <laughs> and that's, that's the yielded process. That's the surrender process. And go along with him on that journey because that journey is the best journey, the most contentment you'll ever have, peace. You'll be fulfilled. Every dream that you think you have will be fulfilled in him because he's the dream giver in the first place, right? So it's that, it's that willingness to undergo his process, the willingness to come to truth, even when it hurts, even to go... I went along with some of those lies for a while, but I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to allow those lies. I'm not going to follow those lies. I'm not going to believe those lies. Whatever the lie, you, poke a stick. You could, you could talk about it in relationships. You could talk about it in, in education stuff. You could, it doesn't matter. Like Darwinism. 
so sorry. Anyway, they never report that at the end of his life he was like, I can see there must have been an intelligent designer because I can't, I dissect, I'm talking about Darwin. Sorry, <laughs> that's the ADD brain. <laughs> oh, oh, ADD's not even a thing. I just got a smile from my husband like, careful. <laughs> the man, the psychiatrist who came up with a diagnosis for ADD and ADHD is a French man and he said, when I first came up with this and, and brought it into the psychiatry world that he works in, medical world, I never intended it to be this thing that would be diagnosed on every child in America or medicated as if children in America now, one in four boys or maybe more now, maybe it's one in three boys get medicated for ADD and ADHD. And this French professor who, who, who came up with the diagnosis and, and was noticing this, some certain patterns, he said, the Americans have taken what I came up with and twisted it and they're using it to medicate people and keep them in bondage to fear. Just another lie. And how many kids do we know? Have, and parents have allowed, as well, people in their world to come under it. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Which is all the more important why we need to stay in the Word of God, really close to His heart, like really close to the heart of the Father. I love, um, I say this sometimes, because in um, Psalm um, 91, I have it written down in my other Bible, in Psalm 91, in one of the verses um, it says to be so close, so is pinions are feathers, right? Depends on the translation you read. Some say pinions, some say feathers. But the actual Hebrew word means to be so pressed in past the outer feathers that you're into the downy, downy feathers. And the downy feathers are the ones really close to his heart. So you're to be so pressed in under that wing that you're so pressed into his heart, you can feel his heart. That's the only way you'd be that close to him is to be in the Hebrew word is the downy feathers, right? You're so close to his heart. You can feel his heartbeat. I prayed at the beginning of this that we, God, would, um, he cares about the things that matter to us. But I prayed, God, change our heart that we really can be caring about the things that matter to you. And so that's that verse is just to be so pressed into God, so aware of scripture, so in scripture, allowing it to change us, that we are aware of every heartbeat, every exhale that he makes. Can you feel his exhale? Can you feel his heartbeat and break for lives that are lost senselessly, senseless lives lost, that the, the house fire burning down and you're walking down the street Sensing his heart is it makes you run in and you go and rescue whoever's in the house, unafraid of your own life, because you know if you've heard from him to go do it, there's protection. Like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, protection. When you obey the Lord, there is protection. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said that even if he doesn't save us, well, we're going to do it anyway. We love him. We're not going to bow. We're going to run to worship, run to live truthfully, live honorably live with integrity before him and not bow our knee to anything in this world other than God alone, right? That's leaving the consequences up to God. And sometimes the consequences, sometimes we, I do know just a couple of people that have passed away and have gone to be in heaven, right, during this COVID period. So it's heartbreaking for the families that are left behind. But when I know they've been graduated to heaven, it's not such a bad consequence. <laughs> so staring down the barrel of a gun or being thrown into the fire like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, like staring down the barrel of a gun, I don't want to lose my life. I don't want to end up in jail for preaching the gospel. I don't want these things. But if I know I'm walking obedient to God, I trust him with the consequence. I do. Trust him with the consequence. And that's, you can, you can say that and really with, with real, by the way, conviction when this has become the thing that you've found, your, your whole life is founded on, his truth. He's good. He's the one we can trust. He alone is absolutely good. Absolutely good. So it's 12 o'clock, 12.03. So we are going to pray. 
So thank you, Jesus. I'm going to start, I'm going to just start by repenting and um, I'm going to just name up a few things that I already already know about just because, you know, we live and breathe in this world. So if there's things that you just want to lay at Jesus' feet, you repent too, right? So uh, Jesus, we, we do, we repent for the church and individuals or the church collective for being weak, for allowing compromise. We repent for watered-down convictions. We repent for convenience. We repent for the complacent sleepiness that has gripped many. We do just repent, and whether that's in our own life here or just very generally for the church in America. We repent, Father God, of allowing um, the bully spirits of the political system, the political spirits and the religious spirits and Jezebel herself, we repent of tolerating that. We repent of allowing them to bully us into corners where we haven't spoken up when we needed to speak up. We we, we repent of allowing those spirits to even change our mindset to sit us down and make us believe sitting down and saying nothing was the right thing we repent of that father Jesus I ask that you really just bring our hearts into a place of complete submission to your word and to your will God to your will it's that your will be done on earth in our hearts in our lives we pray for your will to be done in our hearts in our lives, in our families, in this church, in the church in America. We pray for your will to be done, your kingdom come, and your will be done. And we declare the lordship of Jesus Christ over our hearts. We, just, we declare the lordship of Jesus Christ in families, over this city, over, over our nation, Father God. We are praying that people would rise in knowing who they are in you, in knowing the truth that, that we have the weapons that are beyond any kind of physical weapon. The best weapon by far is the word of God, our ability to pray, our ability to sing and worship you and walk around with your peace and your joy in us. So help us understand what our weapons really are, the most powerful weapons in the universe here that a person can have. And so Jesus, I'm praying that uh, we'd be people who understand who we are, that you'd form in us and reform in us our identity in you and that we would be people who live by the word of God uncompromised every single day and we get up and we would understand we don't have to live by lies, we don't have to conform to anything the world is trying to push against us. I pray for conviction of truth the truth of the word of God, to come in boldly in a people, to make them stand up and do what you've called us all individually to do. But God, it is with love. So it's not without love, right? We do it with boldness, but also with great love. So God, increase our capacity for both. Increase our capacity for great boldness. Increase our capacity for great love, that we would be people who really take on the world and take on the mandate from heaven, which is disciple every single nation and understanding along the way what that means for us to be people who will be fixed with your purpose purpose, solidly fixed on the inside of us and we won't back down and we won't look away, we won't get distracted, we won't get uh, sat down by bully spirits anymore. And I just thank you, Father, because in um, Acts chapter 3 it says, it's upon our repentance that times of refreshing come from the Lord. And so I just pray, Father, that there would be incredible times of refreshing and that you would let us know. Your word says that signs and wonders will follow those um, and that the signs and the wonders attest, very often attest to your presence in our life and the times of refreshing and your presence attest to your literally felt presence, attest to what your word says, that we'd be the habitation, your habitation, your dwelling place, that you're with us everywhere we go, every single day, everywhere we set our foot. You said you'd give us, but God, we want to see that materialize. We want to see, we want to see miracles. We want to see the changed lives around about us. And so, God, we give our lives for you to fulfill your will through our lives. We give our lives for you to have your way fully on the earth in a church of people that are just going to rise like a mighty, mighty army. So war horses, you know what a war horse is? It just runs into battle fearlessly. So, God, give us the strength like a war horse. Put in us the strength like a war horse that is going to literally set its eyes like flint on the prize and run and run and not stop until they've accomplished your purpose through our lives. 
God, put strength in us, God. Put strength in us, God. Strength in us. Times of refreshing are for strength. It's not just to make us feel good from Sunday to Sunday. It is for service. So God, put strength in us, God. Put strength in us, God. Put strength in us, Lord. We want the refreshing. We want to your touch. We want to feel Holy Spirit poured out. But God, we also know it is so we will get up and go take nations for you. And so I pray, Father, that literally you would through our lives, use our lives to disciple nations, to disciple young people, schools, hospitals, business places, places of work, Father, wherever we find ourselves, whatever industry we're a part of, that we would own it as if we're the ones that you're asking all of heaven's resources are given to to bring change to it. God, help us be people who understand heaven's resources are ours. We don't have to back down in fear of a person because all of heaven's resources are ours. Just pray pray for the constant renewing of our heart and the renewing of our mind. Just like Paul's talked about, renewing of our mind. God, we just lay our will, our thoughts, our emotions down to you. We're down before you and ask again, renew us again, restore us, renew us again. We have the mind of Christ. God, help us be people who just walk around with that absolute revelation of I have the mind of Christ, which means we can catch any wrong thought and say, not today. Help us, God, just be the people that you want on the planet who are going to do your will, not back down, not back down, not for a minute, but love greatly in the process. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 